I don't even know what's happening right now, but I you think somebody I has that condom on their shelf today. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what up, everybody? I'm Eric Cockrell I'm with John McLeod and Ben Cook. And we are here to talk some punk rock, some music comics, some indie rock, and uh, whatever else anybody else wants to talk about, I guess. Um, so today we're going to talk about ourselves a little bit. Um, it's our first introduction. So we're going to talk about ourselves and um, some common interests and maybe about where we might go from here. And then we have a comic that we're going to talk about as well. At least and, one. At least. There we go. <laughs> ben, you want to tell us about yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm Ben, uh, also known as Benjamin, uh, to my friends. Uh, I'm a musician uh, based in Toronto. Uh, I play drums. Uh, been in all sorts of different projects. I, my musical tastes kind of run the gamut. Um, so, uh, you know, I've done prog rock. I've done post rock. I've done regular rock. Um, now I'm in a space punk band and an instrumental band. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, just trying to rebuild the Toronto scene after COVID and, uh, it's been going well. Uh, there's a lot of amazing stuff going on in this city right now. And, uh, I'm very excited to start telling other people about what's going on in the punk scene here and the rock and roll scene in general here. Awesome. How are you finding that, um, in general? I mean, it's, it seems like things are almost normal, like around here I was yeah. kind of surprised how quick that kind of turned around. Yeah, it's better than normal, in my opinion. Uh, normal was um, I'd rather watch Netflix, and that's pretty much out the window now. There's like a hunger out there. Um, every time I tell people, uh, you know, one of the other things we're doing is we're building rehearsal studios. Toronto kind of got crippled in that um, scenario. And uh, it's kind of a blessing in disguise because a lot of the th- the problems that were happening were – uh, too much corporate influence, I think. I don't want to sound all anti-establishment. It's just like, you know, when the money gets too involved, then then the music suffers. It's always the way. And uh, it got into the rehearsal space business, and then they bailed, and it's kind of forced all the musicians to come together and start coming up with solutions. It's actually working really well. So it's definitely better than whatever normal was before this. I feel like bands also kind of learned how to use the internet in the last couple of years. <laughs> the older yeah. bands did for sure. Yeah. Everybody like 35 plus is like, Oh fuck, we got to figure out Facebook, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. For sure. And I think that was a pretty awesome thing. Yeah. hundred percent. Definitely not. I don't, COVID was awful. I'm not gonna, but uh, it's nice that there was some pluses. Yeah. 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 And I, I think especially because like for two years we could be awkward online <laughs> it was like how does this work i don't know hey come here show me how this you know and we kind of got all the kinks worked out like one of the things that we did um at the very beginning of COVID, once shows were shut down um we started figuring out how to record ourselves and it took like four or five different iterations before we finally figured out how to pull it off properly and once we had it we were like all our friends like come in play we'll record you. Let's get this going. You know, like, let's not stop just because, um, you know, things are, are challenging. This is when art is supposed to thrive is when things are difficult. So yeah. And everybody came together. We really made it happen. It was fantastic. Out of curiosity, did you do any recording that was separate, like on zoom or anything like that? Or was it all in one room? Uh, 
most of the stuff. So we did a bunch of different things. Um, but for, for the, uh, studio recordings, uh, we had multi-camera in one room and, uh, a couple of them were still, and then a couple of them were on tripods and my bandmate and I would just kind of like move the cameras, uh, in the room and give it a little bit of dynamism. And I mean, considering we were working in basically a shoebox, and there was like at times like seven or eight people in there, we kind of made it work. Um, but we also like learned a lot about what we want out of our ideal spot as well. Um, and then we did interviews out of there as well. Um, and that's kind of how it started. But by, you know, probably by the, the fall, we started that in some beginning of summer of last year. And by the fall, we were doing music festivals, going to live shows, uh, album release parties, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it, you know, it took off like not just us, but like the scene took off and it's, it's been at a full sprint ever since. That's awesome. Yeah. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Hi, I'm John McLeod. I uh, do a little bit of writing, a little bit of editing, and I'm currently working with Bad Bug Media and Mike Tanner and that crew. And we're putting out some good books and uh, I'm having a lot of fun with them. And uh, currently I'm working on a book with them called Roseblood Manor. It's uh, like an old school horror anthology. And I'm also just, this is my year to find myself, essentially. I took the year off. They're one of my big uh, focuses right now, but I'm also doing some freelance editing for friends and stuff like that. And just trying to explore the music scene. That's why this was such a good fit for me. I really enjoy working with you guys so far. And... Uh, that's the basics of it. I don't have as exciting of a story as Ben did, but uh. <laughs> it sounds exciting, but it's just like moving shit around from one room to another, like for the most part. <laughs> I say that all the time too. People always talk because I'm a video producer as of my day job. And so people are always like, oh, that's awesome. And like they're picturing like some kind of Hollywood shit. Right, like, yeah, like I aim a light a camera at lights a lot. Sometimes I get filmed. I love it. Like I love my job. I yeah. love what I'm what I'm doing. But like, I, it's it's not what people think when I say it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, interviewing too is is just a lot of asking questions. You know, you gotta you gotta listen to their music and you gotta figure out you know what what will you gotta ask the question that's gonna get them talking for fifteen minutes. So you don't have to do any work. You okay. know what I mean? Um, but I, I'm curious, John. Like um, on the music side of things, um, what you know. Why, why, why a music podcast? Because there's so many writing podcasts I, uh, you could do, that kind of thing, but you chose this. I, I've always had a huge, uh, like, just fascination with music overall. And I, I think it stems from my parents never had music in the house growing up. So mm. I, I think once I got my hands on it, I was just like, give me everything absolutely everything and i i started with metal and then i kind of progressed into more of a punk background and then i just i love everything about it and i right out of uh i had a journalism degree and i have not used it much but right out of uh, college i was working for a paper called music review that's in western massachusetts and they're long since gone but uh, they were a great place to meet a bunch of local and regional bands and just connect to that community a little more. And I, you know, I'd always wanted to do that, but I felt like, you know, even the local bands are rock stars and it's like, they're not, they're just people. And some of them are the best people you're going to meet. 
And it was just so much fun connecting with all of that, that I just, that became one of my big passions. So that's where I am now. And I love, uh, like we said, I, I also deal with comic books, but I also like that crossover. And that's what we're going to talk about later is some of the comics that also encompass bands as their focal point, even if they're superheroes, even if they're whatever it is, it's, that's what fascinates me. So yeah. that's the long that's story. The thing. I don't even, I don't even remember anymore. Like when uh, me and John started talking, but I know that one thing that John's always been great for over the last at least couple of years has been sending me links to comics and Kickstarter and stuff like about bands or inspired by music and, it's like I pretty much always jump on those. Like they're, well, they fascinate me too. And when you find somebody that's a kindred spirit like Eric is, it's you know, it's nice to know that there are a couple people out there that aren't gonna be like, Yeah, yeah, I don't need to know about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like I know he genuinely cares about the same kind of stuff that I do, and so that's why this is a good fit. So totally. Yeah. That's awesome. And like and I find that that music and comics have always been intertwined. Like you know, music shows that I've been uh, going been going to for the last while. If my band is playing, I'll bring some comics with me because I, I wrote a comic. Um, and uh, you know, I'm always like, "Do you like comics?" No one ever says no, right? Uh, at least of the musicians yeah. and like the diehard fans that are there for the music, they're always like, "Fuck yeah, I love comics." Yep. So sure. yeah, there's definitely like I think it's not a Venn diagram; it's just one big circle, you know? Yeah, I, I think decided- it's the same kind of thing. It's indie creators putting their passion into it. And it's I decided right. a while back when I started right. working on Blister, I decided I wanted to try selling at a concert and I was helping set up a concert in town um, with a band that I know. And so I set up um, in the front and I didn't really know how it was going to go. And I got a lot of people throughout the night that would stop by and we talked music, which was awesome. Uh, like my comic is about a band. So we, we talked about some of the, my influences and like they were interested in me, but they like were never buying and I was talking to my buddy. Um, he's at the table next to me selling for his band. And then he was like, dude, wait till the end of the night. Because I was like talking about like, I might duck out like before the last band and head to the bar next door. And he was like, dude, just stick around. And I did. And like all the there was like all of a sudden there's a line at my table of people pouring out like and because they don't want to carry around a comic book during the show. That's exactly <laughs> it. We're interested. That I always get the really t-shirt cool. at the end. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like there's some things like if I'm at a show where there's like a limited poster or something, I get in line right away if I want it. Uh, Cause I know it's gonna be limited, but yeah. Otherwise I wait till the end and I don't want to carry something around the whole time I'm at a show. Yeah, exactly. But I do love that, uh, that mix. Like there's, there's a cool crossover between and, and it goes like, especially when it comes to like a scene, like the punk indie scene, like, when you look back at old underground comics, like, you know, our Chrome and stuff, like they're all they're his, his art is used across all kinds of, you know, grateful dead and stuff like, yeah, that mix yeah. goes back like for quite a ways. Yeah. I think that's like what makes a scene is it's not just, especially like with music, it's not just the music, the music has to be there. The art has to be there. The writing, like the, it's like sort of a, like a Renaissance happens, you know, where like all the people, wherever their Avenue is all kind of come together into one space and focus on like elevating each other. You know, that's, that's the whole punk thing is like, you know, when someone falls down, you grab their arm and you pull them back up again, make sure that everybody's having a good time. Yeah. I've definitely felt that. So, um, 
I guess me, I'm, I'm a primarily a comic <laughs> book writer and artist. Um, I've been an illustrator forever. Um, I've illustrated some album art um, and I've always been, got myself mixed in with local, the local scene, local bands um, as far back as I've been listening to punk and um, which is like mid nineties, no, yeah, like probably 93. Um, so that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I'm a video producer and audio producer, writer, artist. Well, I love everything. You're a polymath. I kind of am. I might That's not be cool. great at anything, but I do a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you have to be pretty good at it if you're if you're like doing it. You know what I mean? It's been worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You have a nice camera. You have a nice microphone. Something's working, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm curious, like, uh, in terms of like doing this what inspired you to do this because this is kind of your your brainchild right um like muck spout in general or the podcast let's go with both all right um so in like what late 19 or not 19 late 2019 i was uh talking to a buddy who um runs uh like a punk uh merchandising um like custom merch and stuff. I was talking to him about um, like how I might be able to fit in my comics with his, his business. Um, and we had talked about, um, like he was excited about it. Um, in the quick conversation we had, we were going to touch base later about it. Um, and then COVID hit. So there was no like really changing of like inserting anything big into a business that was going to have some trouble for a while like on its own mm. uh, like that was every business at the time so yeah i um i just thought about it and i i wanted to have i wanted to separate my because i did like some superhero parody stuff before um and some other things but i wanted to separate that from like my blister stuff that tends to have a lot of swearing and i was kind of heading in a more adult direction um so i wanted to have a brand that suited that and then I kind of decided I wanted to kind of go all in because it's who I am. Like it's, I live and breathe this stuff and I, I just, that's what I want to work on. Like I find, and it's, I mean, everybody says it, write what you know. And I do like my blister stuff was a lot based on, um, you know, my high school, college years. I'm, I don't play any instruments. I'm not a musician. Um, I have some guitars and I've, I've played some guitars, but I'm not a guitar player. Um, I own a lot of comics. I've read, I've written one. So I, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I just, I decided to go all in on the, that area and I just uh, formed Muck Spout. Um, I was working with a buddy on doing some stuff with it, but it was hard during COVID to really get anywhere. Um, so it's been kind of lingering. And then I was kickstarting blister. Um, under Congrats, that label. by the way. Thank you. And I want to get uh, I want to get that launched, and then am I am I synced up with my audio? Yeah, you, yeah. you are for okay. me. It's looking a little funny on my end, so I want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't, a couple <laughs> little minor like freeze ups, but it's fine right now. Okay, I might in the future uh, hook up a cable instead of running out the Wi Fi. Um, 
so I was, yeah, so I wanted to get Blister up and running and then kind of launch it with Muck Spout. Um, and then I've had some back and forth with my printing my Blister comic. I finally have all of them coming in like two weeks. So I'm excited awesome. about that finally. Uh, yeah. But I really, like, I want to get them out to people, but I also have a punk rock music festival that I'm sponsoring at the end of the next month. So I wanted to make sure I had them for that. So, um, that's all. That's all you're doing right now. Yeah, Just <laughs> publishing and releasing a comic and sponsoring a a festival. Yeah, okay, I guess. <laughs> I just had to I just had to throw some money and share some posts for them. So yeah, fair enough. <laughs> they're they're handling the brunt of that. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to get that up and running, and then I wanted to get the podcast kind of up and running alongside it all, so we could I don't know I could find the right audience to share stuff with you guys have stuff that we could share things with and other people have, I just, like you were talking about earlier, just helping people up. Like anybody, Mm -hmm. anybody I know that's got something that's semi-relevant. Yeah. And we've all got three different regions that we're in that we can kind of help each other out. Yeah. That's, that's a big part of it for me is, um, you know, as much as Toronto has a lot of, uh, a lot to offer, um, I don't like, I don't like being in a silo. I always feel like the, the best thing about music was that I could take play, take things from everywhere and apply them to what I wanted to do, you know? And, um, I'm, I'm really, I, it's, it's become more clear to me as I get more involved with the Toronto scene, how little I know about every other place. Mm. Um, because like half of the shit I'm doing right now was right under my nose. I just wasn't aware. I was too busy with other stuff or, you know, just not paying attention. And now I'm thinking like, what's going on in Massachusetts? What's going on in Chicago? What's going on in New York? You know, or not even New York, you know, what's going on in a, a you know, a small town in Ohio. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Like I, I find it fascinating the different sounds in different areas. Like I definitely have, I didn't used to notice it because most of the bands I listened to, back in the day were from Chicago. So I didn't really notice that they were all had a very similar sound mixed in there. Like there's some kind of bass. The, all the bands get a little incestuous and stuff. So of course, but um, then like when I, like right now I'm writing um, my the story I'm writing right now, takes place in the East Bay area. And like, I'm a huge rancid fan. Um, I love green day. Um, so like I, I've listened to a lot of the East Bay stuff, like, and now that I'm working on that, I'm listening to a little bit of that more often because I get inspired as I'm listening to things while I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I just start to like notice that I, you know, if some band I never heard of was played for me, that was East Bay. I think I would be able to pick it out right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Totally. So. So do we want to get to uh, the, uh, the albums that uh, we were talking about? Yeah, how are we going to do that? Uh, who wants to go first? <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> sure. Fuck <laughs> it. No fear. Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, I'm the, I'm the only one of the three of us that didn't actually choose three albums. Uh, I kind of chose three bands. Um, and it's just kind of like, I think it's just that a lot of the music I've been listening to lately has been from bands that are fairly new on the scene. And uh, full albums, there's kind of two things happening right now, which is like full albums are hard to do when you're an early band because you don't have enough material. Yep. 
And the second thing is a lot of bands, a lot of new bands aren't doing albums because mm. the saleability of it is, is not the same as it was back in the day. Um, you know, it used to be the only way to market your music effectively was to have a bundle of it and you put it in a physical package, but now you can do it with each individual song. I was even noticing that, um, I think it was the Linda Lindas, uh, every time they had a new EP or single release, they had all the previous ones on that new release yeah, so that they were yeah, constantly yeah. being re-released. And I was like, that's smart thinking. I, I was like, note to self, I'm going to do that <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so first off, um, Sprints, uh, their, their new EP, um, it's called Modern Job, something like that. Yeah. Um, man, those guys are off the hook. I just particularly the song uh, Delia Smith was the one that, that uh, hit me. It's the third track. And uh, it's just that, that little lead into the chorus when she says, uh, who wants to be special anyway? And she repeats it. And then she says me fucking me. And I'm not ashamed. I was like, that's the kind of energy I need right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I had never heard of them before. Um, so I loved when you shared that. I was like, as soon as I hit play, I was like, Wow, I'm really digging this. Um, yeah, and that the first track was really great. Like, yeah, this when she's screaming, "I'm not fine." I'm not, like, it was just, it was, it's so relatable at times. Like, actually, mm-hmm. that's one thing. Listening to the whole thing, like, it was insanely relatable. <laughs> like, that's yeah, just what it is to be human is that that album, especially was- the last track for me. I'm in a band. Yeah. Oh my god, I love that song. <laughs> Yeah, it was five tracks of just pure energy. I was mm-hmm. incredibly happy that you shared that with us. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing good things. And it, they seem to be fairly new. Like, they only have that so far. Um, so that bodes well. Because um, if if that's your first time releasing music, goddamn, I can't wait to see, yep. you know, right. once you get to a full sprint. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> you planned that. Come on. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what about you guys? Um. So I, <laughs> I had narrowed it down to that that Interrupters album that came out like two weeks ago, I think. Um, which I'm blanking on the title of, so I was going to look it up real quick while I was talking. But, um. Man, they had some solid stuff. They're really a solid band. I saw them with Green Day and Weezer last year, and um, they were actually a surprise on the on the bill. At least for me, I didn't pay attention to who oh, it was. Who else? Um, Fallout Boy was also there. Um, In the Wild was the name of that. Yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah, and um, that title track was really strong. Um, yeah, that one. But that um, like because I so I was weighing um, like. Like Weezer's done a couple EPs this year um, that have been mostly silly, um, and which is fine. Your Weezer, um, sure, but like not completely solid. Like a couple really great, like really good Weezer songs. A couple silly ones that are really fun, and a couple that are fine. Uh, and then um, the Stereo came out with their first album in like I don't know, fifteen years or something, and it was good, um, but. The Interrupters album, I felt, was a little more cohesive as an album, um, where the stereo kind of felt like a bunch of songs that were great songs that were put together, but like they didn't, it, it didn't have quite a, the flow that I like to say this is a great album, you know? Yep. I, I'm inclined to agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So I love the Interrupters album personally. I just I'm a sucker for a good trombone and like <laughs> yeah, their horn section was off the hook, man. They were so good. Yeah. Like that on its own. I I I loved it for. Now a little stupid trivia for you. Where was the first place that you two know uh Amy Interrupter from? Hmm. Where's the first origin point that you remember seeing her? Was it the Interrupters? Yeah, for me it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She had a little, like, she kind of looked like a heavy metal chick for a while. Excuse my derogatory chick turn, but uh, she That's had the... the chicks dig it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, chicks dig it. She had uh, the opening theme for that horrible Birds of Prey show that was on the WB. Oh, that was that. oh my God. That was her. And I, I looked it up, and uh, it was her, and I, because I actually enjoyed that song, and she had... An entire album that was completely bootleg. It never got released and it circulated on Napster or whatever the hell it was back then. And it was fabulous. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, but th since they never released it, she could never play any of those songs. Mm. And so she ended up releasing alternate versions of a lot of the tracks, but oh, they were never, cool. they had never quite hit the same. So mm. all of a sudden, I hear this band that sounded like, the distillers with you know a horn section and i'm like yeah who is this and i'm like that's voice sounds so familiar and it was sure as shit it was her and i was like holy crap right. that's funny so, yeah a little bit of background trivia for you. That's <laughs> that's cool, like, man. that show yeah. was like 20 years ago right <laughs> yeah it was a long time <laughs> ago yeah and that's the thing is if you find it now i think they've stripped that song out of it for the title uh, sequence so it's even more trivia. So. Like they did with Dawson's Creek. I don't know if you guys, oh, like, oh, your girlfriend watches Dawson's Creek. And I, I like, when she started rewatching it, I was like, I remember hearing the theme song being like, that's not the fucking theme song. I remember it was that, I don't want to win. You know, and they completely changed it. And I was like, oh, I'm not a fan. Wow. I'm going to look that up because I don't care about Dawson's Creek at all, but. I'm curious what the hell they replaced that with. That's that like, like not... that's a whole episode of like stuff we could talk about because <laughs> they ripped yeah. so many punk songs out of like Return of the Living Dead. Like if you uh, watch the movie now, there's so many songs that got stripped out of it for rebroadcast and like you know re putting it out on DVD and Blu-ray and everything. I think they came close with one of the last releases but yeah there's so many things like that that have had music stripped out of it that people will never know about because it just disappeared one one big one that i came across recently was my son right now is really into sonic the hedgehog oh. and um sonic the hedgehog 3 was um the music was done by michael jackson um no oh, shit yeah but if you get the latest release of it they redid the tracks like they did alternate versions of the tracks um, interesting because they don't have the rights to all that music. Yeah. Well, say it again. <laughs> Corporate bullshit getting into there music ruins yeah. everything. Yep. Yeah. I'd say the only like, okay, I'll again, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a brief second here, but the only time I saw corporate people uh, being a boon was uh, Frank Zappa said this back in the day was like, I was going to say, I remember the I only exactly time it was good was when it was a bunch of old white guys that didn't know what they were doing. They were like, just put out whatever hell you want. As long as it makes us money, we don't care. Yep. So, you know, that's the only time it was good. But once people started paying attention and yeah, nickel and dime and everything. Yeah. That's when. Yeah. It went so, yeah. See, for me, it's not, it's not about like if, 
if there are people who know how to get rich, who just know how they're good with money, I'm not one of those fucking people. I need those people. So if you're good with money, <laughs> let me know. I got I got art for you. The sponsor. <laughs> yeah, I got art for you. But by the same token, like, it, you know, I'm not going to get in the way of how someone makes money. All I ask is that they don't get in the way of how I make my music, you know, or make my comics or whatever it happens to be. I really think that there should be a sort of like separation of church and state that has disappeared in the last while. Well, absolutely. You know? Yeah. 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 The, when I, when I learned that labels owned music, I was like, that makes no fucking sense. Yeah. You know, then you got the labels screwing the band and then you got like Spotify screwing the labels, screwing the band. And right. <laughs> Yeah, it's a human centipede of getting fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Who's in the middle? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, we should talk about good things. Uh, yeah. Other awesome albums. Oh, yeah. Uh, Eric, did you? Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. I uh, basically had narrowed it down to PQ, PQ, PQ. I don't know if I'm saying that right. but uh, uh, And Wet Leg and Grumpster. And uh, I think I, I settled on PQ, PQ, PQ because they just, I, I've had a rough year. <laughs> and sometimes you just need, I'd, I'd kind of almost refer to this last album as like party punk. It was kind yeah. of, you know, there's a lot of beer drinking. There's a lot of talking about a new Pope, which was really interesting. That is my <laughs> favorite. Yeah, I was, was, was dying laughing listening to that. It was so on point. Like, and yeah. the, the way his day progressed too, because he told it like two different ways in the end. Like, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, and it was just, it was that kind of thing where you know a lot of them I was listening to in the car on the way back and forth to visit my wife. She's been a half, about a half an hour away, so it's a good time to just listen to some stuff. And that one is by far the album that made me step on the gas a lot more and made. <laughs> happy to be you know like doing what i was doing and it's like as much as i liked grumpster and everything like that it was just it didn't have that same push to it in the car and it was just i love it i absolutely loved that new album by grumpster which i can't remember the name of to save my life right now but uh, uh it just didn't have it it, it was a little bit emo in some ways mm -hmm. like the the vocals on it but some of it oddly was really on point for the car conversation because i think the second song is called crash and it's basically about exactly what it sounds like so but and the third album would be wet leg and i don't know if you guys have listened to that one but it's fucking awesome it it's just fabulous and i think it's uh got such a dominant baseline throughout yeah. most of it that it's almost the most recognizable bass just by listening to it since the beginning of that Fugazi song that I can never yeah. so it's it's that kind of recognizable that kind of and her deadpan delivery on some of it with some of the most intelligent lyrics that I've heard out there it's just really tongue-in-cheek really fun for me you know, it was the contrast between the the low bass line and that and the soaring vocals because she's got yeah. a really high range and the two of them together is just like perfect marriage you know yeah. and when it kicks in too because they have a really mellow intro a lot of the time mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they do that quick like in intro to it and it's just it kicks in and it's fabulous yeah uh one song in particular um 
too late now. Sweetest beat on the fucking album, man. They had they do this. I I'm pretty sure that they had some electric pads on the kit when they were doing it, and they had like a couple little background sounds that you can barely just hear in the. But put your headphones on and listen for that, and it just kind of like it centers the song. It's so beautiful. I love shit like that. Like the little subtle stuff that you don't really notice the first listen. That's my jam. I love that yeah, stuff. I listened to that when it was not a thousand degrees out here and I could actually still take a walk during the daytime. That's that was something I would put on and it was wonderful to just get lost to mm-hmm. like in your head. It just, you drown everything else in the world. Out. It was great. So yeah, right, that's enough about wet leg. I guess I, I seem to have gone off more about wet leg than I did about you, <laughs> but still, Okay, I'm done. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really love that wet leg album. Uh, it it um, like it was refreshing. You know, it felt yeah. like it was grounded in something that it didn't. It wasn't like I listened to some weird ass shit, and so like when I was listening to that, it wasn't like I, I didn't require all of my conscious attention to understand what was going on. But it still, I would, I was reading. Um, uh, what's the name of the comic? Geezer. I was reading oh. Geezer as I was listening to it and there were just moments where I'd be like, Oh, that's cool. I dig that, you know, or it just kind of like re-enters your mind. I love shit like that. Yeah. It reminded me of metric kind of, but a yeah, little, a little, probably. little less dancey, a little more yeah. um, on the, I don't know, the shoegaze side, I guess. Cause it had yeah, some cool I, things going on in the background. I think metric is kind of gotten more mellow. That last album that just came out a couple months ago was, Tended to be a little more on the mellow side of her. For sure. Too. Yeah. So they've gotten there that way over the years. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying. The old metric was definitely a lot more electronic background and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love them too. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned Geezer. Is that a good time to yeah. transition to talking yeah. about Geezer? So Geezer, that's the uh, graphic for it. Um, it was a comic on Kickstarter earlier this year, or was that at the end of last year? I think it might have been at the end of last year. Um, we just it just came in the mail recently. Um, hold on, (laughs) got the book. Oh, yeah, nice. uh, I don't have the bag with me, but nice little packaging for like a little record store bag, and it was just perfect. Yeah, they did a really great job on that. Um, and that was actually one of the things that I really loved about the book um, was like some of the authenticity it added, like the like when I first put out um, my my blister novel, um, not the transition to me, but um, <laughs> in the back I did like this. Um, I've removed it. Well, it's in the novel, but I didn't put it in the comic. I did like this zine interview in the back that takes place after the novel to let you know, like kind of what happens to the characters. And um, that was one of the things I really liked about this one. They had like clip news clippings and yeah, it was awesome. mm-hmm. yeah it, like very authentic looking. Um, so that was yeah, really they had like and they had a ad for the single and like within the comic itself. A lot of the stuff was after the book, but it, yeah, it was interviews. It was reviews of their band and the rival band that was trying to like kind of beat them out at the local shows. And then just some of the authenticity of the stuff in the, the Brit pop scene back then. And I, we won't ruin it too much, but basically 
the Gallagher's from Oasis and Blur might make little appearances and just some of the record stores, the albums in the background were well recreated. And actually, if you blew up the PDF, which I did because my eyes are horrible because I'm old, uh, but there was a wet leg sticker on one of the little oh, records. Oh, that's badass. I was just like, all right, that kind of ties in even better. So Yeah, yeah. very cool. Very cool. Really, yeah, really, really felt- it felt like um, reading uh, like a non-superhero Scott Pilgrim kind of thing because, yeah. like, coming from Toronto, like, what what uh, fascinated me about Scott Pilgrim was like, oh my god, they're playing Lee's Palace. Oh my god, they're playing the uh, Velvet Underground, and it's like I've been to those places. I've been on those stages. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and this had the same feel, where like you know you're, they're in Camden Town looking through records, and it's like. I can picture walking into that store and like looking at that particular shelf and that kind of thing. It was very cool. Um, yeah, they were saying the dive bars that they went into where they, you know, got the fights and everything that uh, was, were real bars and, mm-hmm. you know, they were places everybody hung out back at during that time scene in the nineties. And it was just great to see. Yeah, exactly. That kind of authenticity. Yeah. I can, I can appreciate that kind of like love letter to a scene. Yeah. I have a question for you guys though. Because this is a this is a punk uh, oriented podcast. Um, now, reading the comic, it's it felt very clear to me that the sort of main character Martin is not Britpop. He's punk. Yeah, it it was definitely he's, a different. He's mm. fucked the system. He wants to he wants to like you know shove it up your ass with walnuts. Like he's not interested yeah. in playing ball. So. Where do you where do you feel the line is between punk rock and Britpop? Because they feel close to each other when you're reading this. Like you can feel kind of the tide changing a little bit. And honestly, I don't think I would have called some of the bands that they mentioned like Blur. I don't know if I would have called them Britpop back hmm. in the day. But I, I I guess I didn't really think about those terms. Yeah, that's true. I didn't either. Right. I loved Oasis as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think it's a matter of and I think to the, you know, to the question about where's that line with punk, I think that's going to come up with the podcast itself. And I'd say as long as it has that punk aesthetic and that punk attitude and it, that comes across, then I don't, you know, as long as we're having fun discussing stuff, screw it. I'm that's how it. I felt too, was like, as I was reading it, I realized like, I have, I have been wrong about Oasis the whole time. Those guys <laughs> are punk as fuck. Yeah, well, well, just think of all the news art, news art, news articles back in the day. Yeah, and stuff like that. Totally. Getting hammered, punching crazy. people in the face. Exactly. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Gallagher or Gallagher just beat the shit out of somebody. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I remember, um, you know, the, the same thing happened with Jack White and the Libertines back in like the early two thousands, and like right. I, I never would have considered that. Jack White to be punk necessary but he's punk as hell man he makes his own guitars like what am i talking about why do i make these boxes and they're pressing their own vinyl at third man yeah that's right so absolutely absolutely he was was really pushing to bring back the vinyl scene yeah yeah for sure more accessible yeah and that's kind of like to me I, i was just thinking that like maybe um genre fying things is is uh let the historians worry about that. You know what I mean? Like you can call it Brit pop. You can call it whatever you want. Um, what, what was it doing at the time? Like how would it, how did people react to it at the time? And like, why did it, why was it a phenomenon? You know? Exactly. Yeah. And so much, I mean, so much of punk, 
like has to do with politics here and there. Like, I mean, there's it's heavy in punk, but it's also, I mean, any kind of British arts, like they're 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 crazy about their politics over there. Like, yeah, they are. So I think there's that they share that a bit too. Definitely. So, um, what would you say are like the the punk bands that that uh, when you heard them when you were a kid, you were like, oh shit, this is it. I like very specifically when I was list- like, because I was very um, they might be giants REM like early nineties. So um, one morning I remember putting on MTV and um, Offspring came on uh, self-esteem and it was like, I, I hadn't, I mean, I'd heard things, but I never really heard like that. And then um, followed by basket case green day. Wow. It was like a one, two punch of like, I mean, those were like the two big ones at that time. And it was every morning they played at the same time on MTV. Like it was, so like I just would sit down with my cereal and eat it. And my mom hated it, um, <laughs> and, and I would play across the front room and um, and just kind of opened me up to like Weezer and all the different um, indie and Bad Religion and um, so like I guess I'd have to say them um, for me like at first. For me, uh, I I'm a little older than everybody in the group by a little <laughs> bit, so uh, I I came up in the '80s. So uh, I'd say Minor Threat, Fugazi, Dead uh, Kennedys, Circle Jerks. That was kind of my jam back in the day. I remember that six song, uh, the Red Fugazi EP. Mm-hmm. Just like we had it on cassette. And we had one of those cassette players back in the day that just kind of flipped it over and kept playing. And right. we were in a pool and we did, nobody wanted to get out to be the one to change the music. So we listened to those six songs about 10 <laughs> times in a row and nobody got sick of it. It was just that good. That's That album is one of my favorites of all time. I still have it on my phone, man. Oh, God. So great. Yeah. 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 Uh, for me... Um, well, you know, I've had I had a love hate relationship with punk rock when I first got into it. Like, uh, so um, you were saying, John, that like you grew up in a house that had no music. I had the exact opposite. My mom was an, uh, was a, a folk singer uh, mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, and uh, my stepdad was uh, was a musician. Like, he would um, play guitar on the weekends, and he had a microphone and an amp, and like my living room became a stage. And he was into the, all the old '50s stuff, like Elvis and johnny cash and charlie pride and and you know come on baby do a twist over and over again in my house you know yep. so uh Are we gonna get my ass cap for that <laughs> i hope not i hope not i think i think chuck berry's estate is is doing okay um <laughs> uh but yeah um but so when i first heard green day i was like you know it compared to what I had been listening to i was like it's intense but i don't know if i like it you know i i got into the dookie album but again, it was like I was listening to it because it was popular, but I didn't know if I liked it. Yeah. But it was propaganda that really got me uh, into oh, punk. Yep. Where I was like, oh, this is this is more like it felt like Rage Against the Machine, but with like a knife in your in your hand. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh Rage was angry, but these guys were like, come get me, bitch. <laughs> um and uh it uh today's empire's tomorrow's ashes. Um, really kind of like 
reawakened something that I didn't realize had been sleeping for a long time. Um, and I didn't get into it until I was like 19. And then after that, it was off to the races. It was punk rock for days. Uh, and then I got into metal after that. Um, but yeah, I kind of took a bit of a long route to get into the, the heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, John's a metal guy too. I never was yeah. a metal guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I came up on my first concert, uh, was kiss and a horrible band called King Cobra. Actually, they weren't horrible, but yeah, it was like, <laughs> I saw like, that was my first big crush on a band was, you know, Kiss was, you know, everything when I was a little kid, you know, sure. and it just, it, it was my first concert. It was, you know, they were my first. So <laughs> as a kid, you know, the bunch of weirdos, like, you know, singing about crazy stuff, you know, yeah. human on stage and crap like that. It was, yeah. It was phenomenal back then. They get they get a bad rap now because Gene Simmons can't shut his mouth for five minutes. But that's like, my problem. It's like yeah. I, I was talking to my buddy who I used to go to these shows with recently, and I said, "Hey, you know what? The nice thing used to be is you'd only be able to read about these bands in the you know crappy circus magazine hit parader and the weird." you know, Kerrang and things like that. Kerrang, like, yeah. You'd have to search these articles out to find out what the hell these guys were talking about. Now right. it's like you just flip on Facebook and it's like, Gene Simmons said something stupid. It's like, ah. Uh, <laughs> being a Smiths fan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd never yeah. get to see a concert because he never shows up. So. <laughs> I saw Morrissey canceled ago. too? Like, uh, pretty sure Morrissey got canceled. Like, oh, he, he gets canceled every six months. Right, yeah. He has to come out and yeah. say something crazy. And then he gets yeah, in the and, yeah. I kind of feel bad for these guys, though, because, like, they didn't they didn't know what they were signing up for when, like, you know, in 1984 or whatever, when they, when, they, when they hit the top and, like, they became millionaires and people started hanging on their every word. They weren't expecting Twitter. Right. They didn't have that in the plan, you know? And now it's like, yeah, of course Gene Simmons is a fucking idiot. Like, what is – he – he's the uh, bass player with the longest tongue in all of music. You know, I, it's nothing against kiss. They make great music, but he, he shouldn't be making public policy, obviously, <laughs> you know, and why are we expecting that out of our musicians? It's, it's harder to much. give Morrissey that pass though. Cause he uses his platform against me and all like he sure. uses his platform against things. So anything he says, he's trying to be heard, you know? Yeah. I just think as the public, we shouldn't be giving them as much credit. You know, I mean, uh, because he, I've met a lot of people that can play bass really well. I wouldn't necessarily vote for them, you know? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's just kind of my feeling is like you, it, making great art and and understanding um, how to, you know, how to manage social social systems or like have opinions on abortion. I, they're not necessarily the same shit. I wish they knew that, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like maybe just put the mute button on once in a while, buddy. Right, yeah. You. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, local scene stuff. I, I, I guess, yeah, we we kind of talked about our influences and what kind of brought us here. So, like local music, what was it that got you going to shows? Because that's a separate entity on its own, right? Yeah. So my first show was to see um, the Smoking Popes with Alligator Gun in Chicago. Um, I started listening to um, the local music show on like Sunday night on our local station. And, um, and actually the smoking popes at that time, they had already had a song on the radio. So uh, I was hearing it there. 
um, and I fell in love with them. So I went out and saw their show. And actually at their show, um, before the show, when like they play all the music and because I, I got there really early, um, it was the first time I ever heard Jawbreaker, which is like my favorite band of all time now. Um, so yeah, it was just radio, I guess, at the time. <laughs> was yeah. Okay, here's where my cat becomes an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. What about you? Uh, for me, uh, I I started doing, you know, like I said, I started with stadium shows because it was the easiest thing back in the day. We didn't really have any clubs where I was, and I didn't have any. You know, I was wasn't old enough to have a buddy that could travel to a club or anything like that. So. Uh, started with, you know, the big metal bands of the day, like Kiss and Judas Priest and, you know, stuff like that. And then when I was able to get to clubs, I think my first club show was either Fugazi at the Anthrax in Connecticut or Jane's Addiction at this little club in Northampton, Massachusetts called Pearl Street. And Very it was cool. this tiny little room and I barely knew anything about them. And like the Perry Farrell comes out on stage and he's just, you know, he, it, I'm sure you've seen the pictures of the old school act yeah. and he came out in a corset with uh, basically fuchsia dreads and just insane looking and just comes out that's what I'm going to wear on the next episode, by the way. <laughs> oh, excellent. But he comes out and he rips a condom open, like kind of wiggles it onto his tongue and spits it out in the audience. And then they just kick in the mountain song. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? I was like, yeah. I don't even know what's happening right now. But I you think I somebody think has I that condom it. on their shelf today. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. I got I got spit on by Johnny Urine of Mindless Self-Indulgence when we yeah. when they played a show here in Toronto. Did you get tested shortly afterwards? I should have, but I considered it a, a, a you know a sign of honor. Um, I, in retrospect, I probably should have had a better honor system, but um, but yeah, I would be the same way. I actually loved them when they were still when he didn't get canceled. But yeah. oh, that show was fucking insane! It might have been the craziest show I've ever seen. They spent the first three songs trying to. Uh, prank each other with a jar of peanut butter and like shoving it down each other's asses. <laughs> but this is, this is the best part is like, you know, I say that and people are picturing them jamming peanut butter down each other's asses. You're not also picturing them now picking up a pick and playing their guitar <laughs> with an ass peanut covered hand. Like, you know, it's just ridiculous. Um, and then I think it was like the second last song. Uh, Johnny looked up at the crowd uh, on the balcony and he was like, what are you guys doing up there? All the fun's happening down here. Check it out and spit in the crowd. And he hit like <laughs> side of my head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one guy did a front flip off of one of the speakers. I thought he was going to die. The speakers were probably about 15 feet in the air, maybe 20 feet in the air. And this guy, somehow we watched him parkour his way up onto the top of the speaker and then as the breakdown for the song started, he did a front flip. And I thought everybody was going to be like, nope. <laughs> and that was going to be the end for him. But they caught him. Oh, so, yeah, rock and roll won that day. <laughs> yeah, I saw them around here. They were just phenomenal. They were, yeah, they're ridiculous. Like, yeah. 
I remember yeah. that was where, where I remember transitioning to be the old guy in the punk crowd, though, because my <laughs> wife had a little pack of Kleenex and some kid came out of the pit all bloody nose and everything like that. And she was like, here, she, goes, take care. she goes over to him with the Kleenex and she's like, <laughs> can I can I offer you a Kleenex? I want to help you. you know? and it, was like, it was the most adorable thing I've ever seen. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out to all the punk moms out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah the, the first show that really... Actually, I, I got to say, this show was the reason I became a musician, to be honest with you. Uh, it was a little band called Scratching Post um, from Toronto. Um, and they had they were one of the first uh, kind of bands in the indie scene um, that uh, I remember having a social media presence or an online presence mm-hmm. on MySpace. And they had a like a forum that was doing quite well. Like they had thousands of people. And I was really involved in that. And then they had a show coming up at um, a place that no longer exists called uh the reverb uh god rest their soul and um that place is amazing and it was an afternoon show so like when we left it still wasn't um you know dusk yet but they had to do an early afternoon show because uh there was a fet- it, like the reverb was also a fetish club and it was going to be a friday night and it's like they're not losing money on the fetish club it's not happening yeah so uh, they ended up wrapping, wrapping the show up around eight o'clock. And uh, at one point the drummer broke a stick and threw the broken stick into the crowd. And I caught the stick. And I was like, Holy shit, this is so cool. And I was obsessed with stra- scratching posts. I thought they were amazing. I had a massive crush on the lead singer. <laughs> she was smoking hot. And, uh, and then at the end of the show, um, I went up to each of the band members was like, can you sign my stick? And they all did, you know, and then, okay. and then the lead singer, I was like, uh, hi, can you sign my stick please? <laughs> and she was like, I would love to. And she was like, what'd you think of the show? And we started chatting and she was like talking about, you know, like the struggles of being a musician and how they almost went broke. And like, you know, then, you know, things are starting to turn around for them and they feel really good about the music scene here. And they're like, do you play anything? I was like, oh, you know, I like to play the drums sometimes. And, you know, but, <laughs> It was after I left that I was like, oh, these are just people like yeah. I used to think of them as like these sort of deities. And and after meeting them, I was like, oh, yeah, I could be a musician. It's just a job. I was like, holy yeah. shit. OK, and I joined a band like a year later. Yeah, like I like I said, I think that was the best thing that ever happened to me was uh, interviewing bands for music review. Uh, it, it just the same experience. Like I said, it just brought them, you know, I mean, yes, they're always going to be a little elevated in my book, but of course. You know, it made me realize they're human. So mm-hmm. it was very mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. All right. Do you guys uh, have any, uh, any parting things we need to talk about or cause we've gone, been going an hour. Yeah, I think um, if we, if you guys want to run through like what you're working on again, real quick, briefly, like we talked about a little bit at the beginning, but uh, I forgot to share Ben's logo. So. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll, do, I'll talk about it again. Uh, primalnote.com is where you can go to find all the information you need. Uh, we have a YouTube channel uh, where we post all of our videos of studio and live uh, performances. Uh, this September, we're going to be back at a uh, rapidly growing music festival here in uh, the greater Toronto area called Gussapalooza. We played there last year. We recorded all their stuff. So last year is on the channel. You can watch all the performances. Uh, and this year, our focus is going to be on uh, band interviews. Uh, now that we've gotten to know a lot of these guys, we want to, you know, pick their brain a little bit. And uh, yeah, so we've been doing that. We're also building rehearsal studios in Toronto. So Primal Note Studios is well on its way. Um, we're doing um, 
currently we're doing open houses to show people the the rooms that we've completed and start getting a pre-sale going. So we have a good list of people that are already interested, but if you're in the Toronto area and you're looking for a rehearsal space, something monthly or even hourly, and uh, you know, you don't know where to go, uh, we got, we got you, you hooked up. So just let us know. Um, and uh, Pioneer Anomaly is one of the bands I'm in. Uh, Space Punk. Uh, we are working on new stuff all the time, but we're also building studios. So that's kind of on the back burner at the moment. Uh, and I'm also in a band called Mute Sounds, instrumental post-rock band uh, headed by a, a survivor of throat cancer. He lost his voice and uh, started making music uh, as a way of uh, still expressing himself. He's an amazing, beautiful human being, and I'm very privileged to be in a band with him. So we're working on a new album. Um, I wrote a comic called Apex. You can find it at on Linktree. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Apex the Comic. Uh, or sorry, at Mohini Eats. Don't look it up. It's fine. <laughs> Worry about it later. Yeah, that's about it. I, I'm done. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'm John McLeod, and I work with Bad Bug Media. Uh, you can find our stuff at badbugmedia.com, although we do a lot more through Kickstarters and things like that to uh, fund our books. Uh, we've you know, got a book out every couple months. We've got a couple out right now, and my brain is blanking on everything, of course. But uh, we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up in the next. Are you few guys weeks. Black Jackets? Is that you? Yes, Black Jackets. And then uh, badass. We had a music comic called Ragnarok. And oh uh, yeah, P- uh, Pioneer is on the the one yeah. of the backer tiers. That's a bad bug book. So yeah, they that was a great promotion. They had a cassette tape that had uh, six bands that were also people that were into comic books. And Ben was, uh, like, I found out after the fact that he was on it. And I had already dug the hell out of his band. So I was very happy to find out that we were going to be working together. So Thank you, uh, sir. Other than that, I'm basically doing writing and editing for whoever will take me. And if anybody wants to give me a large bag of money, <laughs> so feel free to hit me up. I would also like a large bag of money. Okay. Yeah. I'm not opposed. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what you got? So I uh well, this is the proof copy of my blister 211 page book. Um super excited to get that out in the next month. Um and I've been working on launching Muck Spout. This podcast is part of the big launch. Um I have in October my um audiobook podcast that I work on with Chuck Pino comes out. Um, we write and I do the sound sound work for it. Um, it's a time travel adventure. Um, it's fantastic, so, by the way. I just want to say I you. thoroughly enjoy reading it. And uh, shout out to Chuck Pino. The um, He's sort of our connection that started all this. Chuck's a great guy, great co co writer. So we had a funny, um, like, was it two weeks ago now? C two E two. We were signing books together. Um, the first time um, we've ever been able to do that, which was really cool. But um, we had a moment where he he met a guy, and then he introduced me as his co writer, and I was like, "What? You're my co writer." <laughs> 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 that ended up becoming a back and joke, back and forth joke all day. 
Technically, you're both you're each other's co-writer. That's fine. Everybody's everybody's sidekick. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then coming up at the end of September um, is the Punk the Burbs Fest Five. Um, cool. And um, I'm excited about the Bull Weevils being on there. Uh, much the same. Counterpunch, Kali Masi. Um, and you can get tickets on Eventbrite. Um, so that's pretty exciting. It's the first time I've ever Very cool. done anything like that. I'll have a table there with um, my, my books and pins and all kinds of fun stuff. Excellent. Awesome. So this has been a good time, guys. Yeah. We should definitely totally. do it again. Uh, yeah. Maybe we should do this regularly. What do you think? That sounds good to me. <laughs> so when's the next one going to be? We should probably talk about that. Um, maybe we'll set a date offline, but for recording, sure. okay. but, um, coming yeah. soon. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Definitely okay. be following it up pretty quick. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. All right. Thanks for, uh, watching and listening. However you're intaking this and, um, maybe we'll come up with some kind of like thing to say at the end, but I have nothing right now. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that. We should do that. <laughs> that's a, that's a good one. All right. <laughs> All right. Later, everybody. All right. Have a good one, guys. Peace out. Bye.